0: I was headhunted for this role. I wasn't even looking. It wasn't even on my radar. But they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Hey there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. Now, I have a juicy, juicy topic today that is going to be interesting for those of you who are people managers. I want to talk about the job market and how it's really heating up right now. Now, this might not even be on your radar because, well, let's be honest, there's so much going on in the world right now and lots of companies are having layoffs. But trust me, this is a very important topic. In all my years of coaching, I've never seen the market so hot and so many people changing jobs. Either they're actively looking and interviewing, or they've been targeted by recruiters. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First off, I have a message for you managers around protecting your talent. Second, you'll learn why job hopping is happening so much right now. Third, I want to share an example of a really aggressive job offer. Fourth, I'll share a less complicated and more valuable job offer. And lastly, we'll review the intelligence from both these job offers. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Let's start off with a message for managers. I want you to think about protecting your talent Since we're in the middle of a global pandemic, social justice movement, and the chaos of back to school for kids, these tragic wildfires, everything that is going on socially, politically, economically, around the globe, job hopping may not be at the top of your mind right now. I get it. However, you might want to think twice about this. Just because you're not looking for a new job doesn't mean that your team isn't or wouldn't consider an offer that came to them. Here's a reminder about a common recruiting technique. When recruiters have a very specific role to fill with specific requirements, they will sometimes target candidates in a similar role at another company. This assures them that the candidate has the perfect skills and experience. Now I get it, I get this is an efficient technique. If you post a job and you have to sift through a whole whack of resumes, like thousands of resumes, to hope you find the right person to present to your client, that would take so much more time and energy. So it's more efficient to use this technique of targeting people who you think would be perfect. The key is convincing them to want to leave their company. So more and more I'm seeing recruiters use this technique And I'm seeing clients be approached for roles that they're not even looking for. And these offers are being very, very aggressive to entice them to leave this company and consider taking a new role that they hadn't even thought of before. The other important factor here in this approach is that it really feeds into the ego of the candidate. It makes them feel really special and really appreciated. I mean, who wouldn't be flattered by a stranger contacting you because of your valuable experience and giving you this new shiny offer and an extra, I don't know, 20, 30K in salary? It's tempting, right? And it's flattering for our sense of self. We know that money is not the number one motivator. I get it. I've seen the Dan Pink talk so many times. And I do agree that money is not the number one motivator. And yet, when employees are neglected or not appreciated, I've seen that money is actually a massive motivator. I think it's more accurate to say that money doesn't fulfill us on its own. But I think waving an extra thirty grand to someone will actually provide ample motivation for them to at least consider the job. I think the piece that we sometimes forget here is that money gets used not only as a perk or an incentive, But it is an expression or a way to measure how much we are valued by our employer. And that's where things go sideways. So if you're working at a good job, you've got a great boss, a good company, you might not have ever thought about leaving your company. But along comes a job offer that's going to pay you a whole lot more than what you're currently making. The money is nice. I get it. But there is a deeper thing going on here. The offer of additional money translates to us thinking that this new company appreciates or values us more. To be more specific, they're appreciating us 30,000 units more than our previous company did. And from there, our loyalty, our satisfaction, well, they start to unravel. And we start to think that, hey, we're actually being underpaid where we are right now, which translates to underappreciated. I've seen this happen time and time again. It's so common. It's like a complex maze of dominoes. The job that we were perfectly happy with starts to lose its shine. We start questioning, why aren't they paying us more? How are they even getting away with this? And then it snowballs. All the relatively painful aspects of our current job that you know, frustrated us just a little bit, are now amplified and really starting to piss us off. The allure of a new company that's going to care for us, again, 30,000 units more than the previous company does, well, if they're willing to pay us that much more, it must mean that they're going to treat us that much better. We start thinking of people that we want to leave behind, annoying tasks we want to leave behind, and of course, all the politics and drama that we want to leave behind. We forget momentarily that every company has their own version of annoying colleagues, boring tasks, and corporate politics. I see this scenario play out so many times. I get it. I understand how enticing it is and we have a story to tie it all up into a nice little bow, right? I was headhunted for this role. I wasn't even looking. Wasn't even on my radar but they made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, right? It's all about the offer that we couldn't refuse. And headhunted, what a loaded word, right? It carries all the symbolism of being trophy hunted and being highly coveted as if you're some sort of rare species that is highly sought after and facing extinction. I don't love that term, headhunted, for obvious reasons. But it also makes it seem like it's that much more glorious than what actually happened. Let's put this into perspective. They did a job search on LinkedIn for people with your job title. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you're not special. I just want to put it into context and not make it out to be more complicated than it actually was. Headhunted is often just a glorified LinkedIn search. So my message to managers is this. I know you're busy, and I know that you're doing your best to hold it all together. This situation is sucks. It's hard. But remember that good talent is always at risk of being solicited by another company or a recruiter. Just because we're in a pandemic does not make you immune to this danger. Trust me. I've seen more activity in the last two months than I have in my previous 10 years of coaching. So let's look at why there's so much job hopping going on now. There's a few reasons. I've got five that I'm going to list for you right now. First off, working from home and not being in the office physically is making people feel less connected to their boss, to their office, to their colleagues, to their culture. And unfortunately, less connected translates to less loyal. That's important. I'm going to repeat that. Less connected translates to less loyal. Second, the pandemic is causing people to reflect on their lives and make big wholesale changes, not only in their career, but in all aspects of their life, how they live, where they live, what they wear each day, how many times they wash their hair, who they're hanging out with and what they prioritize. Third, many companies have either announced that they are considering the option of permanent work from home arrangements or that they have permanent work-from-home arrangements as of today. Now, this is a complete game-changer in the talent game. It means that you now have the option of working anywhere across the country. Fourth, many companies were under a hiring freeze when we first entered the pandemic, and that was going on for two, three months. Now, things are opening up. And a role that was on hold for three to four months desperately now needs someone to fill it. And we have on the other end of it, aggressive goals that we have to hit for the end of the year. So we need someone in that role like ASAP. This makes recruitment urgent. And lastly, this one's kind of obvious, but it's just easier to interview when you're working from home. Interviewing can happen remotely, which means people don't have to sneak out of the office under the guise of a fictitious doctor's appointment. They can do it all from the comfort of their own home. And I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of interview stories of the hoops that I've had to jump through over the years when interviewing for a new job. It's not fun. Let's be honest. It gets really, really complicated. The whole process is complicated, right? Because you have to keep it secret from your from your boss, from your employer, and you have to head out and schedule interviews around all your core working hours or sneak out throughout the day. And... You just have to kind of hope that your boss doesn't notice your plethora of doctor's appointments or notice that you're dressing just a little bit nicer. One time, years ago, I had interviewed at a company that was literally across the street from where I was working. It was from one high-rise into the other. So I worked at a tech company that was super casual. We didn't wear suits. We didn't dress up. But obviously, for this new role, I wanted to, you know, make a really good impression. So the first interview that I had, I was able to book it early in the morning, which was smart, right? Easy enough. I just dress up, go to the interview, get changed, and then go into work. And it was literally across the street, so this was a flawless plan. Well, it was flawless until the interview went really well, and they called me back a couple hours later to see if I could pop back over during lunch to meet a couple other people. How could I say no to that? Right? Sure, I can do that. So over I walked across the street again at lunch with my clothes to change into, changed in the Starbucks bathroom. And this wasn't just like throw a blazer over top of a dress. This was the full deal change. Like corporate Julie, dress, nylons, heels, and of course, pearls. I don't know why I always wore pearls. And off I go up the elevators to the new company, hoping I don't bump into anyone that I know. It was awkward, but I pulled it off. Until, you guessed it, they wanted me to come back over again at the end of the day. The things we do for interviews. I gotta confess, it felt like a bit of a superhero escapade, running across the street, changing in the bathroom, running up and down the elevator, trying not to see anybody I knew. But you know what? It paid off. After all those interviews, I had a job offer at the end of the second day. All right, let's dive into the tale of two job offers. I want you to meet Carrie. Now, Carrie works in a high-demand role at a large, established tech company. She's always loved her job. She gets along great with her boss. However, she doesn't really like her department head, who has really been under the microscope lately for questionable treatment of employees. Everyone has known for years this department head has caused a lot of trouble, but nobody seems to do anything about it. Anyways, kicking off this year, Carrie was so excited for 2020. Here we are, fresh new year with all this promise. She was promised a promotion and she would finally become a people manager and build out a team. This is something that she's been working towards in the last three years that she's been at the company. Well, you know how this all ends. 2020 didn't turn out exactly as we thought it would with the pandemic Black Lives Matter movement, the recession, many companies had layoffs. Now, in March, Carrie started working from home. So this was easy for her, right? She'd been working from home a little bit in the past. Sadly, though, the promotion that was promised to her was put on hold. In the meantime, this shift to work from home started her and her partner to zoom out and have discussions about the big picture of their life. They decided that they actually wanted to move across the country and be closer to her parents, which would allow them to buy a proper home and start to plan a family. So Carrie was also disappointed in how her company responded to the Black Lives Matter movement, or rather their lack of response. After George Floyd's murder, there was a cascade of change that happened through the business community. However, Carrie's company did nothing. She spoke to her boss about it, who was empathetic, especially seeing that two of his team members are black. Carrie wanted to do something, but she felt helpless. Her boss escalated her concern to the department head, whose response was, well, I don't know, it's just too controversial and politically charged right now to take a stand. So the company, at large, did not take any action. So before March happened, Carrie had a great relationship with her boss. But now, since they were working all remote, she started to feel out of touch with her team. Her boss, who used to be attentive, was now swamped in meetings all day long. And she couldn't just pop into his office to find out what was going on like she used to. So Carrie kept doing her job, but she was frustrated. She was no longer feeling like she had any respect for the company. They weren't taking a stand. She kept waiting for an update from her boss about her promotion. Meanwhile, she saw peers in other teams get promoted, and she saw other people getting hired in other areas. So one day, she received an email from a recruiter who was really impressed with her experience and was wondering, would she ever consider working for a new company? She thought to herself, well, what harm could it do to just have one little conversation, right? Maybe I'll just find out what company it is, but I know I won't actually consider leaving and and working there. Two weeks later and four rounds of interviews, and Carrie is emailing her boss a resignation letter. She took the new job. She explained that she hadn't been looking, but how could she refuse? They offered stock options, an extra twenty-five k to her base, and she was being hired as a manager and would instantly have a team to manage. Everything that she had been promised. And Carrie? She didn't even have to run off to secret interviews at off-peak hours. She didn't even have to change in the bathroom at Starbucks. She did it all from the comfort of her living room. Her boss, needless to say, was floored. He felt like the rug had been pulled out from underneath him. He couldn't understand how things went south so quickly when Carrie seemed just so happy a few months before. Now I want to share details of the other job offer. This is the tale of Ahmed. He works at a global manufacturing company and he's part of the IT team. He's been at this company for about two years now. He loves his boss, and they've actually worked together at two other companies in the past. They have been through a lot together over the years, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And over those years, they've had a lot of tough conversations. Things haven't always been perfect, but they've always committed to being honest with each other and keeping their word The company was undergoing a lot of changes as they were coming into 2020. They have a new CEO, and Ahmed's boss, Colleen, was tasked with restructuring her team. The consulting firm advised that she bring in a new layer of managers. So Colleen presented this new org design to her team in a weekly meeting. And on learning that Colleen was about to hire externally for one of the new manager roles, Ahmed was curious and started to think to himself, Hey, why isn't she hiring me for this role? I'd be perfect for it. Now, they've talked before about his desire to have a management position, but here she is about to interview outside the company. Did she not consider him? Did she forget that they had that conversation? He was curious. So he did something radical. He had a conversation with her about it. Yep, you heard me right. He had a conversation with her about it. He didn't make assumptions. He didn't make up stories. He didn't poll other colleagues to see how they could try to read their boss's mind. He had a conversation with her about the new role and reminded her of his intentions. It turns out it was a consulting firm that was vying for that external hire. Colleen had a few hesitations about putting Ahmed in that kind of a stretch role at such a critical time for the company, but she realized that he was really serious about this role. He had never let her down in the past, and she didn't want to lose him. Colleen knows that her team is her greatest asset. And after two weeks and finding a backfill, Ahmed started his new manager role. So let's dissect these two different, very different scenarios. Up until this year, Carrie always thought that her values aligned with the company. She didn't love her department head, but she could always overlook that because she had a great relationship with her boss. But since working from home, she lost touch with her boss. She felt underappreciated and she was hurt that no one cared about her promotion. She was disappointed that the company didn't issue any statement after the Black Lives Matter movement kicked off, and she felt like now her values no longer aligned with the company. She was perfectly happy one moment, and she would have never even considered leaving the company, but the recruiter came to her, and her new boss and team Gosh, they seem so excited to have her on board. Everyone is emailing her, asking her questions, and telling her how they can't wait for her to join this new team. Carrie feels appreciated. She feels valued through all this extra attention. And let's be honest, the extra money doesn't hurt either. It happened fast, but how could she refuse? Now let's look at the second job offer. And to be perfectly pedantic here, it's technically not a job offer. He saw the position come up and Ahmed leaped to throw his name in the hat. It is such a different relationship. There's social capital here built with him and his boss. They've worked together for years, so even the fact that she overlooked him didn't matter. He leaned in to have a courageous conversation and you know what, it all worked out. Two very different scenarios with completely different endings. So I want to share the biggest lessons to take away from these two different scenarios. But before I do, I want to address the gender elephant in these two scenarios, because I wish it was, but it's not a coincidence. Carrie was disappointed in her boss, and it festered. She saw inconsistencies in the company, but she didn't name them. And guess what? Her disappointment festered as the communication between her and her boss eroded. The difference with Ahmed is he was confused why he was passed over for promotion or about to be passed over for promotion. He asked his boss about it and they worked something out. Boom. Problem solved. We know that men have a louder voice in companies than women do. They speak up for what they want more. They're more aggressive. They're more confident in applying for jobs, even if they don't have all the requisite job skills. We know this information. Sheryl Sandberg taught us this in Lean In. And we've been talking about it for years, but we're still seeing the gap. We're still seeing that women lack confidence. Ladies, we have to do better. And I get it, I know it's hard, it sucks, it's uncomfortable, but you owe it to yourself to be your own biggest advocate. Instead of putting so much attention on the pay gap between men and women, and especially the pay gap between white men and women of color, we have to lean in and we have to have courageous conversations. We have to learn how to advocate for ourselves. And I personally will pledge to focus even more on this as a topic with my clients. All right, shifting to the four main lessons that I want you to take away from these two different scenarios. Number one, the first lesson, relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. I often say that relationships are the root of all business transactions, and they really are, not only in terms of business transactions, but in situations like this where employees are tempted by outside offers. If you invest in relationships and you pay attention to your team, you let them know regularly that they're appreciated, this will carry weight when they get a job offer. We can't ever build walls high enough to keep temptation away, but loyalty and relationships will always run interference on it. So that's number one, relationships are everything. Number two, inconsistencies are detrimental. In the case of Carrie's promotion, it was put on hold. And then she saw other people in the company get promoted. This type of inconsistency drives employees crazy. It really does. Hiring freeze probably isn't the right term to use then. Hiring restriction might be better. And I know that her boss was likely hamstrung with the rules, but there is always something that can be done, some sort of concession that can be made. Heck, even just discussing that it's on hold again week after week is frustrating, but addressing it instead of ignoring it is important. And remember, just because you don't have the answer doesn't mean that you can't talk about it or keep it in the forefront. So that is the lesson number two, inconsistencies are detrimental. The third lesson to take away is communication. As a manager, no matter how much you think you are communicating with your team, do more. You might think that you don't have time, but trust me, replacing and retraining talent is very expensive. And replacement salaries are going to be higher than what you're paying now anyways. Trust me. The last lesson I want you to take away is Speak up and have courageous conversations. As an IC, you have to always speak up about what's on your mind. Don't overthink it. Name it. This is always a better practice than making assumptions or making up your own stories in your head. Doesn't guarantee that you're going to get what you want, but it's always important to speak up about what's on your mind. Carrie was waiting around for her boss to address her promotion. She waited and waited and waited, but he didn't bring it up. And neither did she. Now, I'm pretty sure if they had had an ongoing dialogue about it, the situation would have played out differently. Ahmed was put off when his boss was about to hire externally. But he didn't let it fester. He spoke up for himself. Squeaky wheel always gets the grease. Always. Relationships are the root of all business transactions. In my relationship design framework, I always teach clients that we have to include scenarios like this in the situational blueprinting section. It's really important. Specifically, there's a line item in there in my document that talks about how do you handle a situation when you're approached by an outside recruiter. We discuss that right up front as you establish the relationship. This way there's no ambiguity about where everyone stands. So if you're the type of leader who would always want to know upfront the instant that your employee gets approached, then you can request that and you can design that. Or if you want them to go through the interview process and then let you know before they accept a job offer, well, heck, you can design that. I've learned over the years there is no right or wrong here. It is a matter of personal preference. Everyone has a different opinion. I saw once Arlene Dickinson post something on LinkedIn that she never would match a of offer because to her, the simple act of going out and interviewing at another company, just even considering that was a violation of her trust. Now, I know that there are many other managers who think it's healthy that their employees interview somewhere else before they accept that job offer. So there's no right or wrong here. It's just a matter of being honest and communicating with each other about where you stand. Let's recap those four lessons learned. One, relationships are everything. Two, inconsistencies are detrimental. Three, communicate, communicate, communicate. And four, speak up and have courageous conversations. Okay, it's time to start wrapping up this episode about the tale of two different job offers. I hope that I've raised an important topic for you to consider. If you have a team, check in with your team. See how they're doing. I know most people are making do with being home and taking care of the bare minimum, but trust me, we're going to be here for a while. This is good, has turned into a marathon. It may have started as a sprint, but now it's a marathon. So don't put off conversations with your team, especially the important conversations, the ones about their future, their career path, Talk about competitors and job offers and recruiters. Trust me, your team is your greatest asset. You know this. So do everything that you can to hold on to them. And if, if there's someone on your team that you wouldn't fight to keep, well, that's a whole other red flag. That's a whole other podcast episode. Not only a red flag that they're not delivering, but potentially, tough love here, potentially a red flag that you're not leading them properly. These are unprecedented times, but wouldn't it be cool if we use this time to develop the art of courageous conversations, to develop a more honest working relationship? I don't think it might be. I know it absolutely would be. And maybe, maybe, that is the exact lesson that we are all meant to be learning right now.